You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 37 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Two quick shout outs, chest bumps, high fives to some special peeps today to say thanks to our parent company, Sick Biz Incorporated, and specifically, I want to acknowledge the board members on SickBiz who continue to tweak and tune and strengthen our offerings. Thank you to my husband, Deacon Jastrom, James Whitaker, Matt Smith, Galena Ojime, I probably butchered your name, don't kill me, uh, Catherine Taggy, Emily Vote. you are holding us all together with your wonderful support and we are still growing and changing. Today's guest is one of my very dear friends. We text online, offline, and oftentimes we feel like we read each other's minds. Prior to getting to know her, Sarah Fader and I have been circling each other for a while. She is an accomplished writer and author writing her Stigma Fighters Anthology Volumes 1 through 3, as well as operating and running the nonprofit Stigma fighter organization and website in her spare time of which i am shocked to learn she has any she is a head writer for better help who's one of our sponsors she spreads her love and purpose around doing what she can to normalize mental health conditions and shatter those stigmas that need it desperately sarah is soaring every day i speak to her acknowledging the very human journey we are all on Please welcome my sweet, dear, loving friend, Sarah Fader. The Sarah Fader in the Sick Biz Buzz digital studio. And I am stoked out of my mind. Wee! Yay! Hillary is the best. I love you. I know I love you too. Like we met each other, we were instantly like, I just love you. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was a love connection. It totally you know? was, Chuck Woolery. Yeah, it totally I, was. Uh, see, I was just going to say that. I was literally <laughs> just going to be like, not to be confused with the Love Connection game show. Like, I was, gonna, I was going that was, there. That was the best show ever. Did you ever see the one where the guy was like, yeah, like I met her and then we had dinner and then things got to things and we just did it. <laughs> did you oh, ever see it? No, that's amazing. No, because it was... As a, as a child, like, I didn't understand. Like, I was watching this at a very inappropriate age, probably. Oh. Probably, like, eight or nine or something mm -hmm. ridiculous like that. And then I didn't realize that they were talking about sex, like, so much on that show. Like, it was always about, like, <laughs> did you go all the way or something? Like, they and I loved, I just, I love the idea of, like, I don't know, like, having to pick between three dudes like that's cool you know I that that was cool I wish they would bring it back because I think it was just really interesting for people and it was like great television but I know what you mean like this was back in the time when tv was the babysitter oh yeah yeah we don't and people don't really do that anymore now people are like all right Ferdinand it's time for your french lesson and mumsy will be 20 feet away painting or whatever you know, and back then it was like, I got to grab my smokes and a tab and here's long love connection for you. You're <laughs> all of my memories from childhood are like watching throwing pains and like Cosby show and 
you know, Batman, the animated series and Animaniacs, like all these different things that like, yeah, they were my friends. Like, I feel like I see them now, you know, wherever, probably on the internet. And I, and I'm just like, oh, these are my family. I (laughs) totally get it. And then I was like, Kirk Cameron, you've betrayed us. You're not allowed over at Thanksgiving anymore because you're just like a religious judgmental bastard. So you... (laughs) He's he's a terrifying individual. Like I'm ah, absolutely he he it's so upsetting when you see like what is it wait Mike Mike Siegel or Seeger? I can't Seeger. remember. Oh Michael. Seeger, yeah. um, Mike Mike yeah. Seeger. You're like, Mike Seeger, what happened to you? You used to live above the garage. And then he <laughs> and he married he married the girl, like his girlfriend, and like yeah. she became a crazy Christian. And and I mean, it's so sad because I have so many like nice, normal Christian friends and I'm just like, and, and even they are like, oh my God, what is wrong with him? <laughs> like he's, he's like really creepy. I feel like when you look at him, his eyes have changed and he's oh. just like, oh, so, so I mean, and that, okay. So this is crazy. So when people are listening to this, they're going to be like, okay, what the hell are these girls talking about today? <laughs> so Let's so let's dive into it a little bit. Let's move into like the elevator piece of it. So well, you before are, you before you do that though, like just so you know, I could talk about Kirk Kirk Cameron being insane. Like all that could be the that could be the theme of this show because he in himself is a psychological case study. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna get into <laughs> some of the stigma fighting with Kirk yeah. Cameron. Yeah, then, exactly. Oh, and by the way, I hate his sister. She's oh, oh, I know. oh my god. Okay, so they're, they're all awful. But like we we should, Kirk Cameron, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you should write for Stigma Fighters. Oh I don't know what your diagnosis is, but we would love to have you. <laughs> but we're here. We're ready to accept you and help you out. We're ready, oh ready to help you. Whatever you need. <laughs> Whatever you need. Whatever like, it is. All the support that you want right now. This goes out to you, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> it's like a thousand words with a picture and bio, Kirk Cameron. Just right, exactly. <laughs> and do Twitter at the Sarah Fader. So Kirk Cameron, Cameron, get on it. Get on it like a penis. Like, just do it, yeah, you know? You know what, though? What if you did? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so let's introduce you. Like, come on. Let's just, like formally introduce you this is sarah fader she is uh well you lived in new york so i'm super jealous already but jealous in like a happy jelly way um and like like jelly belly jelly beans yes oh my god my sister my sister my daughter brought home a bag of those she was like mom because she works at target she was like they couldn't put these out the bag was damaged I got a free two pound bag. <laughs> she was so excited. And I was like, this is a great day. Yeah, that was that's probably one of the best days ever in life. Like that that goes along with like getting married or like <laughs> having, you know, winning the lottery. Like yeah. that's yeah, it, it really it's does. up there. It's up there because 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 who makes popcorn jelly beans? You know <gasps> what I mean? And those are the best ever. I those swear are, I those are the best ones. Yes. Okay. So let's, okay. So seriously, (laughs) let's, okay. So Sarah is an amazing woman and, and, and people know this about you, but there's many, many things to talk about today. We have you on because you're the founder of stigma fighters. So you are shattering 
the stereotypes of mental illnesses, but you're also a very accomplished writer. You're the head writer at BetterHelp, which is actually one of our sponsors. Woo woo! And I know I was like, oh, my God, somebody knows we exist. It's amazing. Um, And you've got a three volume series, the anthology for Stigma Fighters. I think you coming here today is going to be very valuable for people, um, people who are working at home and who are chronically ill and or disabled or going through some sort of treatment can tend to feel isolated. And you know you have to reach out to that network online because that becomes your family, that becomes your circle. And so I, I think that this population, because we deal with so many health challenges, then are much more prone to dealing with mental health challenges. Yeah, and actually just as a side note, working for BetterHelp has shown me the power of, and this is totally not even an advertisement for them, but (laughs) I I didn't know anything about online therapy before working for BetterHelp. And I realized the power in virtual or online therapy for people that have disabilities and maybe find it hard to like, to be out of the house like mm-hmm. it's it, like it's difficult to to let to find a local therapist or their disability prevents them from going on a weekly basis or they're homebound. So working with an online therapist, I think, is one of the things that is is a um, an, an advantage or um, what's the word? An it's advancement. Benefit. It's a benefit and it's an mm-hmm. advancement in the field of mental health. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, you know, because I've spent decades in counselor's office because of my effed up childhood and decisions that I made stemming from that, not having tools, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, read the book. It's coming out in September. All right. Woo-hoo! So, But yeah, so I've spent decades in there. And it's interesting because so I had this counselor, but she was like 45 minutes away one way. But I had seen her a couple of times because she was over by my work and then I was working from home or whatever. And we transitioned to working together on the phone. Yeah. And it, and it was just as effective. It was and it was almost more. I don't know. You felt safer. You can curl up in your pajama bottoms and sit on your bed and 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 be in a secure place to talk about things that are scary. Yeah, I, I also find that. I I saw a life coach saw in quotes, like talked with a life coach on the phone. And because I'm an auditory learner, Mm -hmm. it was really helpful to to have that kind of treatment over the phone because I internal, you know, like I internalize information better. That's a good tip. That's a really good tip because everybody's a different kind of learner. So if you're an auditory learner, this is excellent. And the statistics for chronically ill people, like I know for my disease, transverse myelitis, there's a very high percentage of depression. And I, I'm sure that has to do with, you know, losing control and having to like surrender to not knowing what's going to be happening, which is the same way of saying losing control in different words. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but what do you... What do you think about what you've learned from founding Stigma Fighters, from from making this your mission to help people? And what do you want to tell people who are working from home and who might be fighting with mental illness right now? I was thinking about this 
this week repeatedly because I have a tendency to ruminate and like think about the same thing over and over again. Thanks OCD. Um, but depression is something that I chronically deal with. And I, I think people with chronic illness can relate to this very much, which is that it's invisible a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. So it's one of these things where you have to remind yourself just because other people can't see your disability doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. Like yeah. I, rem I remember that this week I was telling my therapist that I feel like I wake up and depression is punching me in the face all day, just like straight mm -hmm. up, just punching me. Like I'm making the bed and it's like, you're a loser and like, you're a failure. And why do you even try? And nobody likes you and you're failing at your job and like all these things. And it's so loud. And that's the thing about depression that people don't understand. My friend had such a great analogy. She said, depression is, is like walking around with weights on your body, but nobody can see them. So in, in the voice note, this is interesting because what you tell yourself when you're depressed, it seems almost like um, it's compulsive in a way. Like it, it's just this voice that's very, very hard to control of what you're telling yourself about what you're able to do or not do or why you're not a good person or whatever the case is, which we both know logically, logically, if somebody said, you know what, you're not a good person, you'd be like, well, fuck you because yeah. I know, you know, but in your own head and in yourself, it's like you get trapped in what you believe about yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you, there's that expression like depression lies, you know, yeah. if you, you haven't heard that before, but I actually text this to a friend yesterday and I was like, I don't think I'm a good person. Like, oh. because, because, because that was depression talking to me. And I was like, yeah. I don't know where that came from, you know? And it, it wasn't like I was fishing for compliments. Like I literally, like, that was the thought that went through my head. And I have, like, I just, like, vomit things sometimes because mm -hmm. I want to get them out. And so, then as, as soon as I said that, though, I was like, oh, that's depression voice. Okay. So are you free of it then? Is it like you have to get it out and then you can be rid of it? Yeah. Be, be, because, and actually, that's one of the, the exercises with OCD, which is flooding. So you, you just say you just say what the thought is so that it loses power oh that's amazing it really helps that. it helps because because I looked at it even like writing it down I was like that's not true that's true that's very true and there's there's a flip on that too where it's it's a very similar thing but it's like tell yourself this is the truth if yeah. this is what you're struggling with then all of a sudden just tell yourself I'm a piece of shit and then you'll yeah. go, no, but, but no, no, I'm yeah. not. Yeah, that's exactly. Crazy. Exactly. That's, that's a definitely an OCD exercise. It's because you're, it's exposure. You're exposing yourself to the, to the unpleasant thought. And then, yeah, you realize, oh, wow, that's not true. Exactly. That's perfect. Yep, exactly. And so you try to, so this is one method or process that people can use to, um, get out of their own heads. And I think it's important 
that we try to make this prescription uh, prescriptive and actionable as much as possible on this show because we don't want to just be like, I love story sharing. Obviously, you and I both do. But I think what we're both trying to do is give people tools to say, if you feel like this, you can try this and this might work for you because it worked for me or it worked for somebody else or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I found, I've said this before about stigma fighters, which is that if you fall on your sword and you express like what you've been through, because sharing your story Mm -hmm. is about bravery and just saying what you've been through and you never know who's listening. That's exactly right. And right, because you don't know what they're what if they relate to what you're saying or Oh my god, yes. Okay, so I have to tell you this. So this yeah. is crazy. So right on the heels of that, okay, so I write for the mighty and um and they just published a piece about ARFIT. So I have avoidant restrictive eating disorder. And when yeah. I was going, um when I was going, they were like, Oh, it's a form of anorexia, but they didn't have a name for it because I'm old. So now, now they have. <laughs> I'm like, you couldn't name it after me. It's my shot at being famous. But Seriously, they, what is right? wrong with them? I don't know. But the psychiatrist was like, because I had to see them between uh, six and nine times a week. Ooh. And uh, yeah. And he was like, you, um, a nutritionist, medical doctor and psychiatrist. And he was, or yeah, psychiatrist, because um, he was a medical doctor. And so he was like, we're going to kind of make this up, you know, as we go. And I'm going to cobble it together from like this book and this book and this research and this whatever. And this is what your plan is going to be to to get better. And so I wrote this article about, um, you know, the ARFID disorder. And uh, May 2nd was National Eating Recovery Day. So it's like running in conjunction with that. And there was somebody who spoke up and she said, I just read your article and I've never met anybody else before who has that. And we were just like, oh, my God, we can talk about our rules that we make, you know, and and get it. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, my son has struggled with that, too, with ARFID, which I think it's it's not a fun. No eating disorder is like, yay, fun. But ARFID sounds like such a fun name. I'm like, they really shouldn't name things that sound awesome that are not. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just please get a different name for this? Something like, I don't know, an acronym for sheer hell. Right, exactly. Can we, can we have, can we, because like ARFID sounds like a little animal that, you know, like I, I own an ARFID. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a terrible thing, but it's a terrible thing, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it it is. And the, but the day of healing came is very similar to what you're talking about. And when, you know, the psychiatrist was like, well, what's going on? And I told him my rules. And as I was saying them, I was like, well, these don't really make sense, I guess. You know? That reminds me me so much of OCD because like OCD has like the most nonsensical thoughts. I think I do have that. I'm pretty sure I do have. I don't think like a, um, I think in all of us too, and maybe this is an interesting topic that there's fragments of mental illnesses 
that maybe we have tendencies but not diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to know like what's what and actually it doesn't matter really because the, the treatment plan matters more than the diagnosis. I mean, th- I beautiful. Used, you know, I've, I've, I've used this so many times, this analogy, but it makes so much sense to me. I don't know if I told you this one, but you could like walk into the grocery store and be like, I would like the box, you know, the yellow box with the circles on it and in a bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you eat it for breakfast. Or you could be like, I want Cheerios. But it's the same thing. But it is the same thing. And it, know, does, it doesn't matter. It's like um, having an autoimmune disorder, whether it's lupus or Sojourn's disease or whatever it is. Your, your body's reacting in a certain way. And, and, you know, and this is the thing is like, if, if you have the symptoms, but I don't know, you're missing like a criteria here or this uh, box isn't checked or what, just start getting the treatment aligned. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the Cheerios analogy also is like, you could go further with it and say, maybe somebody comes in and, and doesn't say any of those things. And it's just like, where's the cereal? Right. Because mm-hmm. that maybe that to them is bipolar disorder. Right. And, and then the other person is, is you know what I mean? Like set, describes it differently because that's how they view their disease. Well, and it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's totally fascinating. So I shared a video on SickBiz today. I don't know if you saw it, but it was of this woman who has disassociative disorder. Oh, oh DID. I, I have to go watch that because I, yeah. so, I have a friend that has DID. It's so interesting. Oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It is literally like a disconnection. And I think we don't know. We take our judgment based on the very, very little that we not even educate ourselves on, but what we glean and gather from talking to people and our own experiences. And then we make our own experiences truth. And, and then that results in stereotypes and whatever. And this video was amazing because this woman has 20 different personalities. Oh my gosh. Wow. And she's, and she's a painter and each one is a different style of painting. Wow. Yeah. Wait a minute. What's her name? Oh, I can't remember. We'll have to. I'll have to go into the into the group. But it was. It was just, and like I was absolutely captivated by this, and I had to sit there. That's how I woke up this morning. I was like, Oh, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> watch because my my friend Erica writes a blog called The We in Me, and she has DID, and she's really interesting. Like you could follow her on Twitter at The We in Me. The we she's, and me. Okay. Yeah, she she's cool and she's also an artist. Oh, she okay. So this woman, her name is Kim Noble. Okay. And and it's fascinating because so she has these 20 different personalities and each of them paint a different thing or like different they're expressing working through different things that happened in her life. I mean, obviously she's very very traumatized and she's so traumatized that she has no idea what her own trauma is because her brain set up these different pathways and in fact it has started to physiologically build different pathways in her brain and so she cannot be cured they believe she she just has to like live with this and she has a daughter 
but she doesn't remember giving birth to her because one of the personalities gave birth to her. Wow. That's intense. That was really intense. That's really really intense. And she's functioning though. You know what I mean? She's functioning. And, and, And I think this is, this is what stigma fighters is about to me too, is shattering that stigma that this is not a pervasive condition, situation, disease, whatever the case is, even, um, what am I trying to say? Susceptibility in this crazy ass society. There are so many people who are dealing with mental illness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I think the thing is that the more that you talk to people and the more transparent you are, the more you'll find how common it is. Like even reading the the NAMI or NAMI, however, I, I feel so pretentious being like NAMI, <laughs> National, wait, National Alliance of, what is it? National Alliance of Mental Illness. I can't remember. I, I'm going to I have to look it up now because I'm going to be like obsessive. Hold on. But it's, it's like, it's the national organization that, you know, focuses on, um, you know, destigmatizing mental illness. Hold on, NAMI. So look it up here. And so, Um, but I was going to say, so national Alliance on mental illness. I was right. Okay. National Alliance on mental illness. Okay. Got it. The statistic is one in five people have a mental illness. So like if you're sitting at a lunch table with four other people, one of you has it. So the more that you talk to people, the more you realize how, how common it is. And, and that, and it's not like in the nineties when I was like panicking and having like thinking I was dying and having panic attacks. And I was like, Oh, I'm really weird, but no, I'm not Mm -hmm. weird. There's so many people that have the same thing that I do. Yes. And we, and you know what? And I'm a panic attack sufferer too. And and nobody talked about it because it was like, well, this is just a weird thing about me. This is my weird thing. And nobody's going to be able to relate to it. And everybody's going to think it's silly. Or my favorite is when somebody's like, well, why can't you just control it? What, I, uh, oh, what? mind over mind over matter. Like if you, mm-hmm. I had a friend say it to me once, if, if I could do, let me tell you something, if I could snap my fingers and like not be anxious, that would be the best day of my life. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the more, I mean, first of all, it's like, we're just built this way. People have individual chemistry and structural makeup and genetics and all these things that predispose them to things. And, and so when you enter the world that way and you start tapping into reactions and the truth of things, um, and I was, I'm editing a book this week about how we have three voices in our head and one of them is the mentor and it gauges what we're going to do and what we're going to, how we're going to choose to respond to things based on how we've responded to them in the past. And I think that's very, very true. It's not that we don't have a predisposition or we can control it, but every single time we handle something the same way, we're going to do it again. The likelihood of doing it again the same way is very high. Hmm. So That's interesting. That's Yeah, it, it, yeah I, I, unless you are mindful of what it is and you're making a conscious effort to change. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. But then even you can try and make a conscious effort to change. And it might be like maybe the first time you'll halfway do it. 
The second time you might suck completely and not yeah. do it at all. And then you kind of have to start over. But you just have to, it, it is being mindful because it's not about, you know, what are the results and how great did you do? It's about, did you consistently keep trying to do this until you're moving out of the space? But I don't want to talk about in the, in the frame of saying like, if you need medication, take medication. You can, you can engage in, you know, um, therapy, counseling, talk therapy, and take medication. Yeah, de time. definitely. I think a lot of the behavioral stuff, though, is is important because you know, the if you look at research that it it shows that um, medication works better when you're in therapy. You know, yeah, yeah, and therapy works better when you're open to it because yep. some people are, you know, and I and I did this early on where I was like, I'm going to go to therapy and everything's going to be great, but you have to participate in it. Yeah, if you're resistant, if you go to therapy and you don't want to change or get better, you're not going to. That's that's it's like anything. Right? If really, you don't Yeah, yeah. go ahead, sorry. Oh, it's really powerful too because when you learn, so we all take responsibility for ourselves, right? We say, "Well, I made this choice today and this wasn't a great thing to do and I and I learned from it and do something else." But when you learn why you have been making those decisions, that's when your life starts to change because it's not like, well, I'm going to blame it on that. I'm going to say, you know, what was me and this happened? And so I don't have any control over myself. No, I can say I didn't have the tools that I needed to understand the type of decision that I was making. So yes, I take responsibility for that. But at the same time, I'm cutting myself a break because I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so learning about your upbringing and learning about the conditioning and everything that you've been through, I think is vitally important for helping to feel better. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember my therapist said last week that really helped me. It was so powerful. Actually, I tweeted about it because I, I didn't think about how um, how powerful it was until I was practicing it. But I said that I was like, I don't I don't believe in myself right now. Mm -hmm. And then I and I said, and that was honest. But I said, but because but my therapist taught me this thing called opposite action. So even though I don't believe in myself, like at the time I did not, like now I'm like, I don't know, today's weird. I don't, I don't I have no idea what's going on today, <laughs> but I know that day I didn't. And I, I was like, okay, that's fine. That's where I'm at right now. So I don't believe in myself, but I'm going to keep taking actions in the opposite way. So I don't believe that I'm going to make rent this month, but I'm going to just try anyway. I'm going to do mm -hmm. it anyway, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I read did, that. And it, yeah. I read that on your page. I thought that was really pretty freaking deep because it's not about, well, you can have the feeling. Nobody can take that away. If you feel about whatever you need to feel, however long you need to feel about it. Um, if you, if you get stuck in the feeling, that's when we need to get a little help to get out of it, but you can have the feeling, but your actions can be opposite of that feeling. I mean, and, and I've talked about that when it comes to panic attacks, like, is it better to shake in bed, be stiff as a board and, you know, trying not to vomit 
or should I do something to try and distract myself? I'll still be shaking and feeling shitty, but maybe I'll be less feeling shitty because I'm trying to focus on something else. Yeah, that's really powerful with panic and something that I learned to not fight panic attacks because they don't, when you fight them, they feel worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they, absolutely. They, like, you're you're going to feel like shit anyway, so you might as well just go with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so like, that's basically, like, I, I just, you know, that's what I think about, like, the, I used to be like, oh, fuck, like, this is, Mm-hmm. It's like being it's like being on a roller coaster that you didn't get on intentionally. Yeah. And you don't have a fucking seatbelt on. Sorry, bad word. Um you don't have a you don't have a seatbelt on. You you did not consent to be you're not even tall enough to ride it, but you're on it. And you're on methamphetamines at the same yeah, time. Exactly. You're on so you're you've on been speed. Yeah. You've been slip speed strapped into a giant roller coaster that you're not tall enough to ride and and it starts up like with no warning it's crazy you know this is why i wear layers in public so here's a funny thing i always have to wear layers in public and i and if i don't i know i want to hear why but i i think (laughs) i know because like we because we understand each other okay go on okay so okay Let's play multiple choice then. Do we wear layers in public because we're naturally cold people? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we wear layers in public because it's fashionable? Or do we wear layers in public because anxiety comes on like a freight train and blows up our body temperature? Yeah, it's number three. And it, yeah. and, and, and the thing is that you don't know what temperature you're going to be, right? So, I mean, you could be, that's, that's how, that's how I look at it. Like I need to have my hoodie on in case like, you know, you know what I mean? Like whether it's for comfort or like, I don't know if I'm going to be cold or then I have to take, or I can take it off, you know, because the, one of the things that I realized about anxiety is that my feelings were so intense. This is before I, I went on medication, which definitely helps, but it doesn't, it doesn't, that's, that's the other thing. This is like a tangent, but medication doesn't take away anxiety. It's like, it takes the edge off, but it doesn't yeah. like completely alleviate it. It makes it so you calm down enough to be able to work on it in therapy, you know? Yeah, in total agreement. And that's what people, they're like, well, I'm going to turn into a zombie. No, you are going to be in a living state where you actually can manage it you can live with it like that rude roommate that it is, and, you know, instead of that roommate poking a fork in your eye, now they're just jabbing you with a broom handle, but they're yeah. not going to kill you. It's still right. irritating. You still have to contend with it, but you can live with it. So I want to, I want to switch that gears. Is, that oh, is what, that is such a great analogy. <laughs> that is like the best. It's so true. It's so true. It's like, shoot, pick your poison, man. Like pick your, you know, yeah. like just pick it. Because do you want, yeah. Do you want a splinter or do you want to be stabbed with a steak knife? Like you can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like, because we could, we could arrange for that to happen. Like if you really want. Right. We totally can. And it's this virtual reality thing where we're, we're never mind. Okay. So let's. <laughs> 
We are breaking the stigma and breaking arms. No, let's. Kicking ass and taking names, you know? Kicking ass and taking names. Amen, baby. What's the moment you realized you wanted to start Stigma Fighters? Um, I started writing for Huffington Post when it was, when they had the blogger profile thing open where, you you know, people could freely blog on HuffPost. And once I had that platform, I, first I wrote about, like I had that, I I had three-year-olds or assholes went viral um, which, <laughs> was that you that wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> it, was, it was the best. And then, and then like the internet hated me and I was like, well, you know what? Okay, sure. Um, oh, and then, so then I, but I had, I had the ability to talk to all these people. So I was like, well, I want to talk to some, I want to say something. I want to talk about something that I'm passionate about that I, I haven't come out of the closet about. Right. So that to me, that was having um, panic disorder. And I finally the first sentence of this article that I wrote was I have panic disorder, which I had never been able to say out loud or write because, you know, like the shame of it, it was so intense. And so I could say it finally. And it was so freeing. And I started writing about my experience and what panic felt like. And I started getting emails from people being like, wow, thank you so much for saying that. I relate, I relate, you know, and is there a place I can share my story? And I started looking for a place and I couldn't find one online. So that's when I started Stigma Fighters and I opened it up so people could contribute. And first I asked people that I knew from blogging that like had already talked about maybe being on Zoloft or like, you know, being open about depression, anxiety, and then it started catching momentum and other people started, um, writing for it. And then I met one of my best friends in the world, Allie Burke, who is a best-selling author and she writes for psychology today and she has paranoid schizophrenia and we took stigma fighters and formed it into a nonprofit. And then we started publishing anthologies of the essays on the site. So that's how it became what it is. That's amazing. So you wanted to do more because maybe the tools were out there, but people were still living in these isolated silos of not talking about it, not feeling okay about it, feeling so isolated. I think the worst thing about these mental health conditions is the isolation. Yeah. You I know? think so too. Yeah, because... Knowing that you have a panic disorder and I have one, now I'm like, okay, well, I feel better because that just makes me feel like, I don't know if it makes you feel not as sick or it makes you feel, nobody wants the rare disease. You know what I mean? Like nobody's like, I'll take that, that nobody can treat. Yes, thank you. Nobody, (laughs) nobody wants that. And so when people get together and they say, well, I feel like this, do you feel like this? Yes. It normalizes it to a degree. Definitely. I, I, that is such a good way to put it. It's such an articulate way to put it. It does normalize it. It normalizes the quote abnormal. And that's, yeah. And, and I also think that the bell curve is skewed that I don't think normal is what we think it is. Oh, no, you know, it's not like there's, because so many people have these, these, um, challenges or issues and they just don't talk about them. No, and until we are all like Black Mirror, and tell me you're watching that Netflix show. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Are you oh kidding? Oh my God. Okay, good. Okay, 
So until we all have those bugs in our head that's yeah. in like measuring our brain waves and all of our individual conditions and whatever, we have no idea what the real numbers are. Nope. Um, did you did you see J- San Junipero, by the way? The who? San Junipero, the one where... Um, the two you know, pools? Yeah. I was... Oh, I, oh my God. Yes, I did. Okay, and so for everybody listening... Listen, you need to watch Black Mirror because that is a mind freak. That is literally a mind freak. And usually what I do is I'm like, all right, listen, workaholic, you can and you know how this is because you're the same way. You cannot get engrossed in a binge Netflix series because you have shit to do. You cannot yep. do this. And so I, my husband's like, well, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. Finally, I was like, what? What? Let's what? He goes, just watch one thing. This was... This is very funny. Here's a funny story. We were six feet off the ground on an air mattress on top of our regular bed because we have been experimenting with non-snoring techniques. (laughs) (laughs) That was not, that is not where I thought you were going to go with that. Oh, the experimentation. (laughs) Yeah. I I was was like, that's hilarious. It was like the best. (laughs) So we're up there. We're up there, and he's like, come on, we're going to put on nosedive. And nosedive is the one. That one, oh, my God. That one will blow your mind. That's all about, like, uh, living in a world where you're rated by social media, and it's like your credit. So if you're not watching Black Mirror, definitely do it. Just make sure that you keep your addictive personality in check. Make little deals with yourself. Like, you can watch one episode, and then you have to do four hours of work. Then you can, you know, do something like that. Nosedive made me want to delete all my social media profiles. I know. I said, I said the same thing. I was okay. like, I'm never, I'm never going on Facebook again. Like I'm, I'm never doing that. I know. And I felt so bad. And I love that truck driver. And you know who I'm talking about. I love the truck driver too. She was amazing. <laughs> well, and, 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 <laughs> and, and also, um, oh wait, she was on, um, what's that? The, the, uh, What's the one, the trans, transparent, um, she was on transparent, I believe. I don't think I've watched that, but now I'm going to have to, I love yeah. her. Transparent is, um, it's, oh my God, who is that dude? It's about, a. it's about a guy that, that transitions to a woman and he like his, he has to like explain it to his, his grown children, but it's really interesting. Oh, I think I've heard of that actually. Yeah, I can't. It's Je- I can't remember his name, the actor's name. It's like Jeffrey something. I, I I'll tell you. Like I'll look it up. But yeah, um, the truck driver was awesome. And then the end of, of Nosedive. Like if anybody's listening about who like is interested in Black Mirror, the end of Nosedive is so like it's what you I, want I, to do. I, I can't. Yeah, it, it's it's very cathartic. It's very cathartic. Absolutely, that's amazing. So let's talk about. Let's switch gears a little bit. What do you think is missing in mental health care right now? Bedside manner. Yeah. Okay. Say more about that. Uh, I think it's it's more not necessarily mental health care as much as when somebody who has mental illness goes to the doctor, like the doc the doctor, like not that they're not a therapist, like an MD, mm-hmm. because like even if if you have anxiety and you go to the doctor, they're automatically probably going to write off your symptoms as anxiety. 
Yeah, it's absolutely invalidating when that yeah. happens. It's very frustrating. And then it does something else, too. Like, it torques up the feeling of weirdness that you have. Anyway. Well, yeah, and then, and then you're like, oh, wow. So then it discourages you from going to the doctor when you have any kind of symptoms that you're worried about because you don't want to be written off. Right. Because what's the point? You have to get ready. You have to like mentally get in your own head to get ready to go talk about your problems, which is a very vulnerable place to be only to be told that, well, it's just, it's just anxiety. So you're going to be fine. But that doesn't, but that doesn't make you feel fine. It doesn't no. make you feel better. It doesn't do a damn thing. And and let's, to play devil's advocate, let's say that it was anxiety. Let's say that the symptoms that you were experiencing were because of anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as just anxiety because anxiety no. can make you feel like you're dying. Yes. And you will not know that you're not dying, especially when you have the first panic attack, which for me, I was a kid. And I was like, something is wrong with my body. Like there was a rush of heat and just this intenseness. I was going to burst out of my skin. And I was with um, a Girl Scout troop, you know, so I was it was like a very public display. And uh, my dad had to come get me from the sleepover. And I think that was the beginning. Anxiety for me seems to be linked to social anxiety a little bit, which seems weird. There's so many different fragments to this, don't you think? Like social anxiety is not just, um, oh, I can't talk to anybody anywhere, anyplace, anytime. It's like I have an anxiety in talking to a person in my space that I don't know, but I can talk to people online. Yeah, is that weird? I have the same thing. Or like yeah. it, it's it's very weird. I feel like I can get into this cave mentality where I'm like, I'm not, I don't talk to people and I'm like hiding or I'm, I'm, you know, hanging out with friends and laughing, you know, going to the farmer's market or like doing random things. But I feel like it's not, I don't, I don't know what mood I'm going to be in. No. And, and, and then, and then there's the thing where you are obligated to go to something and you have to talk yourself through like it's gonna be okay I'm just gonna put one foot on the ground I'm just gonna I'm gonna get on the airplane and then we're and then the seatbelt will come on and then this is gonna happen and then you know and sometimes you have to be on to kind of ward it off too so like when we would go to a little cocktail party or something and then I would just be like okay I'm just gonna be the funny one tonight yeah. Because that creates a different type of attention and that's a good attention and it's validating that I'm safe and I can just kind of float along on that vibe until I go home. And sometimes I'd go home and have a panic attack because I just went out and did something. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? It doesn't make any sense. And and, and, al- and also just, just so that people know like what you experience in if you look at like a like a brain scan of like someone ha- panicking or like a- anything that is related to like PTSD or anxiety or like your your brain like different parts of your brain are like lit up like a christmas tree like it's yeah. actually like a neurological event that's happening in your brain it's real it's, 
it's, it's so real. real. And everybody is different. So the different parts of your brain that are lit up for depression, then are lit up for anxiety, then are lit up for schizophrenia, then are lit up for bipolar, then are that are that are lit up for disassociative disorder. These are actual, and this is what I think people don't understand. But I also think that people make fun or they build these stereotypes. Stereotypes feel like they are created to protect people from what they fear. So they can kind of like hide behind um, this terrible humor or this this kind of like factoid that they've made up of like, oh, this is what it is. So it doesn't affect me and I'm removed from it. So I'm safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you're working to break those every single day. What's your goal for stigma fighters? I want more people to be able to just be like, be able to disclose their mental illness randomly at a a party. That's fantastic. That, that is like the, everybody has that dinner party story. Yeah, exactly. Party story. (laughs) Right. I mean, I, I like to do it for fun sometimes. Like just in really weird, <laughs> inappropriate situations. You know I mean? Of course you do. Just like with the cashier or whatever who's ringing up tampons. Hey. Yeah. By the way, yeah. got anxiety. How you doing? Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, that's so funny because I literally did that. Like I, I, not with tampons, but I was like in a gas station, oh. and I was I was so tired, and my parents were like, "Are you sure you want to drive today?" Like I was trying to drive to Cannon Beach in Oregon, which is like an hour away from my house. And I decided that I didn't want to because I, w- I was having panic. And I went in and I asked the cashier, I'm like, how far down is downtown on in, from here? And she was like, oh, it's a half an hour. And I was like, okay, because I'm having panic because I oh. have panic disorder. So I want to make sure that it's not too far. But I do have Ativan. <laughs> so I wow. You know, but how did that feel? How did that feel? Did you feel empowered? Or did you feel like things were more in control because you were you were logistically talking about it and planning of how yeah. you were going to handle it? Yeah, I said it. I said it like I tripped and fell on my face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you know, like that. And and she and actually she reacted and she was like, oh, I have anxiety, too. Like, so oh. she. You know, so that's the thing is you open the door and like people will do that, you know, it's really and yeah. And, and there was one time, okay. So like, I, I still don't know whether this is my diagnosis or not, but like one provider said that I had bipolar and I'm, I mean, and then the people that I'm working with now are not convinced, but at the time I was diagnosed bipolar. So, but they, they're pretty sure it's misdiagnosis. But I, I actually have three things as opposed to one. <laughs> but that's good lo- for me. That's, that, you know what, though? And, and that's the thing is that having more than one disease or condition doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you, um, you know, like an outlier even. Because, and, and we like to liken mental health to, we do this a lot, obviously, uh, to autoimmune diseases because, when you have one autoimmune disease, you're much more likely to be diagnosed with another one. So <clears throat> there are many people that have two, three things going on. And I think the same is true for mental health. But we don't have as much information 
about mental health as we sometimes do, about physical ailments, diagnostic criteria, treatment, how to, how to improve, how to manage pain management, symptom management. We don't have the same level of understanding because mental health symptoms are, there's so many nuances to them. Every single one is different. I mean, there can be characteristics, but every single one is different. I guess the same is true of disease. But the other thing is like in this society of crazy, go, 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 you can always be reached, always be bombarded. You cannot escape. You can't turn off. You, you know, I am not surprised that people are being diagnosed more or that more symptoms are cropping up because a lot of this seems to be in response to how things are changing and the environment and that there isn't the care and that there is a lot of pressure that's forcing people to interact when they're not comfortable. I deleted the Facebook app off my phone yeah, because it was, it, it exacerbated my anxiety. Facebook in general exacerbates my anxiety Mm-hmm. Um, because it becomes a thing with my ADD where like, I want to vomit into it all the time. I want to say like everything I think, and it's not helpful because then I'm compulsively checking it and checking it and checking it and checking it because of OCD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, it, and it's lighting up something in you too, like you talked yeah. about, because it's giving you some sort of gratification for doing that, but it's like false gratification. Exactly. Oh, one like, oh, two like, oh, so and so, but oh my God, a share. Okay. You know, and then it's like, okay, validation. I'm funny. I'm clever. I matter. I'm making an impact in the world. I'm memorable. I'm not forgettable. All these things. And then you just, and that is where people get their validation from. Yeah. And, these, and, and the, and the like younger people now, I, it's so weird to be, say that because like, but but like, you know, people like teenagers, I guess is what I mean. Um, because we're still young. I mean, let's just face it. We're young people. Um, so let's go with young and hot both. So hot as fuck. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So (laughs) the thing is that the young people are, are basing their self-worth on Instagram likes and, and, it makes me so frightened for my kids. Like I, I'm just like, you know, my my daughter has like a little YouTube channel where she like records videos of her playing games, like this, this weird thing, like Minecraft or, you know, like the, the games that these guys play. And she's like, I only have three subscribers. Like it's all my family, you know what I mean? And, um, and I'm like, don't worry about that. Like the, the, you know, it's cool that, that people are watching, you know? Yeah. That's what like, the cool thing is. It doesn't matter who, what, how many, whatever. And like you said before, and this takes us all the way back to the beginning, you have no idea who you're reaching when you use your voice and when you tell your story. Yeah. Like when, when I write my blog, like my personal blog, I assume no one's reading it. Like I literally like it, it, it used to be the opposite. Like I used to be like, who's reading my blog and who cares? And like, does, do people like it? And I would like send it to my friends and be like, did you read this? What do you think? Now I just write it for myself. Yeah, I agree. You I know? agree. Because, this- the, go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? Oh no, you're good. And you're I, was good, saying, I, was, I was saying that, um, it, it's a different kind of writing when you're, you're, th- you're not thinking about who's reading it. You're just going into your, you, the, the way that I 
talk about it as like you go in and rip your own heart out and like throw it on the page. Yeah, there is. And, and then you get to this point where you're comfortable with it, whatever it is, whatever your dripping, bleeding heart on that page means or doesn't mean to people, it doesn't even matter because you needed to do it. So I think that's, I think that's very therapeutic. So we are wrapping up and rounding up, which is just amazing because this went so fast, but we <laughs> so fast. Oh, you know what the other thing is I was going to say about that is, is that what I love about blogging is you could have an interpretation of what you you're trying to say, or you mean to say, and then someone reads it and takes something completely different out of it, which I think is so interesting. It's fascinating. It's just another, it's another peek into the human brain. And like, we do so much assuming that we know, even if somebody has the exact same disease that we do or condition or whatever, that we think this is identical. And it's not. Everybody has their own experiences. And it just, it's just amazing that we think we know so much. But if more people would share, we would realize this is a huge spectrum that we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. I think people, I always think about, because when I was in elementary school, um, I don't know why, but there were two years that like the entire curriculum was about Native Americans. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, we learned about all the different, you know, tribes and, um, but what I think about the most when it comes to Native American culture is, the storytelling aspect, oral storytelling. Mm, yeah, for sure. That is and, so true. Yeah, that's and that's the thing that's so powerful is which I think we we can get back to is the is the t taking these stories and sharing them with each other in person. We do need to get back to that because we've gotten to be it's not even antisocial, really. It's just like artificially social. Yeah. But see, that's what's cool about podcasts, I think, is that if there's an intimacy to it and you are sitting down with somebody and and you're and like we just did. Right. So we're, we're sitting down and we're sharing stories with each other and we're connecting. And that is the same kind of concept as this sort of oral storytelling. Yeah, it's I think it's amazing. It's it, it's so true. And it's so healing. I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I just get so excited. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know that that's because we, we have this vibe. No, it yeah. is. Yeah, we'd say say more about that. So it's it's healing. It is totally healing. And it and I think it's actually even an art form. There's a reason that we tell stories. There's a reason that we have these experiences. So many times we think, well, I'm having this experience for me. This is my experience. But I think we're shortcutting ourselves if we don't share our experience. That is one of the fundamental reasons that we have experiences are to benefit and help and bring closure and bring people in closer through our experiences. Yeah, and and it is it like yeah, exactly. Like you said, it, it brings people closer together and like even having this conversation with you makes it, it, it's invigorating because you have all this energy inside and all these things that you want to share. And sometimes it gets bottled up and it becomes overwhelming and anxiety. Then it's, it perpetuates, but then you get it out. 
and you talk to somebody who gets it. Yeah. And you know what? That is so true. It's somebody who gets it, but it's getting it out too. And I think you maybe just tapped into something for people who have anxiety because for me, and I know we're running long here, but whatever, but for me, (laughs) (laughs) if I don't continually dump my thoughts in some form, and that might be, and this could be different for, for everybody. It could be painting. It could be drawing. It could be writing. It could be singing. It could be sculpting. It could be just whatever process you have to use to like, you know, people are trying to be regular and poop every day. I think yeah. we need to do the same thing with our brains. Oh my God. I literally had this conversation with somebody the other day when I did a tarot reading for them. And I said to him, you are mentally constipated right now. And I, I, that's what I said to him, those exact words. And I was like, you need to like, take some, some like mental laxatives and like, get it out, whatever that is for you. That's so, see, same wavelength. I know always, but always it's like this. This is what people don't know listening to us. Like it is such a piggybacking. It's a crazy piggybacking all the time of connecting and figuring these things out. But maybe that is a way to address anxiety and panic disorder is to say you, if you have this, then work on getting it out in some form of expression so that you are continually dealing with it and you're not bottling it up. Yeah. And don't shame people that, that like for me, I sometimes use Twitter as a way to do that. Like just as a vomitorium to just be mm-hmm. like, I think this, because again, a lot of times and, and yeah, fuck it. It is instant gratification, but there is something about like when you share something, mm-hmm that is so personal to you and vulnerable. And then someone goes, wow, I needed to hear that today. Yeah. You realize it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You realize. (laughs) You realize that your pain might actually have a deeper purpose than yourself. That is, that's so deep and so true. Like it's true. Like it's not like your pain is in a vacuum, right? Exactly. It's Mm -hmm. a deeper purpose. Like, you, you, and also pay attention to what other people are saying. Sometimes I, I see things on Twitter. I'm like, wow, that's really, really awesome. And, and I have a theory about Twitter, which is that people are the more genuine selves on Twitter than they are on Facebook because it's, it feels more anonymous. That's interesting. It's a little bit safer in that way, but Facebook is almost like, You've built this avatar that's nearly human and people who people who are your friends feel like you're related or they know you personally. And yeah, so and if like, you Yeah. And you're no. like, you don't you don't know me. But then, <laughs> You don't know then, me. Like I always I always think of Oh wait, do you watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Oh my god, I think I watched it one time though. Now I need to watch it, huh? It's so good. No, I, I was like, you don't know me or remind me of um <laughs> there's this line Kimmy says to Titus, who's like the flamboyantly gay guy on the show. Awesome. Um, she's like, like, like Titus says, you don't know me, girl. Now slide my pizza under the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Why I, I, want, I want someone to slide pizza under the door for me. Like that's, 
And then, you know, but I mean, my brain is like, well, but wait, is the bottom of the opening of the door? Is it, is it like high enough for the pizza? Is it the pizza in the is it on the floor it's like how is it you know that's that's exactly what i do too i'm like what kind of a door is it like is it wood like is the hinge on like you're just like it's never gonna work because it goes all the way to the bottom and there's no oh my god i have loved having you on you are just a blast and i want to ask you one more question this is our this is the final question I ask everybody, which is, what is the one thing people don't know about you? Oh, God. Oh, that's such a fun question. Okay. Isn't it? Some people totally freeze and they're like, um, I, I like pickles. And I'm like, well, that's really not. <laughs> not acceptable. Okay. This, this is like a little bit embarrassing, but I feel like a lot of people will relate to this. Like, if you see me, like if you, if you, we hang out. The chances are that that day I have not showered because I love it. <laughs> I'm French myself. Yeah. So, so you understand. And, and it's not because like I'm a dirty hippie or like, I think it's like, cool. Like, let's just like not shower, you know, but like, I really hate taking showers. Like I, I don't, I mean, I, I mean, I like it. What? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I, I don't. I mean, baths are cool. I don't understand people that are like, baths are dirty. I'm like, oh, whatever. You're stupid. Like, that's, baths are amazing. You can lie down and get oh clean. Oh, my God. I love baths. I, I could take a bath, like, every single day. Um, And I used to. I used to take a bath in the morning instead of a shower every single day. Yeah, because you can fucking lie down. I mean, that's the thing. I and, and it's like, and my, ther- my therapist, like, I, and it's not like I don't shower for, like, weeks, but I won't shower for, like, three days. Or, you know. You know, and, and, um, my therapist asked me <laughs> on Friday, she was like, when's the last time you took a shower? And I was like, oh, you know, three or four days ago. She's like, you look amazing. <laughs> she's yeah. like, if, if I didn't shower in that time, I would not look like that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I wash my face. I wash the important parts. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, you yeah. wash the important parts, but like, you don't need, I used to take a shower every day, wash my hair every day. My hair was like straw mm-hmm. and it was ridiculous. And I then, never wash you know, my hair, like ever. Oh, I wash it probably like twice a week. Yeah, Because if exactly. I wash it any more than that, forget it. And washing it is a huge production. It's like, where is the ensemble? We have to bring them in here. So I totally get it. And yeah, all once or you, twice a week, literally once or twice a week. And then, and I very rarely, like I mostly just use um, conditioner because my hair is so curly, but like, okay. I'll, you, you know? Yes, I totally know because I have hair that tells me somewhere in my lineage I split off somewhere, some ancestor. I don't know what. This is not your typical hair. It's no. not. It's like it's flat in some places. It's frizzy in other. There's some days I just fucking give up. I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. And you people are going to have to see it. It is like 80s hair, Pat Benatar in the Bahamas all the time. Good. You know what? what just fucking deal with it. That's what I want to say to people. I'm like, you know, like sometimes I like roll up into, into my daughter's school and I'm just like, I don't give a fuck, <laughs> whatever. You know what? My hair looks like someone <laughs> ate it. Like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't No, I'm here. Yeah. That's what matters. I'm yeah, here. Like, we, we made it. 
Like we are here. Appreciate it. Right. Absolutely. That, a little that's salute that, or a little, you know. I had a really bad therapist one time that, but he, but the one thing that he said that was so great was when in doubt, don't bail out because when you have social anxiety, like your default thing is like, I don't want to go. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. Yeah. Right. And so if you can manage to go, you will probably benefit from going wherever the thing is. You will. And you'll never regret it. You'll never, and that is a great note to end on because we have to wrap. So Sarah Fader, Stigma Fighters, BetterHelp, I am so happy that you were on the show. I'm so happy to know you. I love you to pieces and you just shared so much value for our listeners today. Thank you. I love you too. And I I, I, want to hang out again and, and always and every day, all the time. I know me too. So we just have to move. We're, we're, gonna just gonna, have to we're just right going to have to, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to move. It's going to happen. Love to compromise. We'll yeah. just make a middle square <laughs> stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them are people working just like you do every day who decide to take up a cause to do their part to make the world a better place. Sarah Fader was put on earth to be an everyday miracle for people who need it, for people who feel misunderstood, shut down, irrelevant, invalidated, invisible, and isolated. She is pulling people together while doing the work to change the perception of mental illness in this country. In a few words, we need more people like her to take up the mantle for mental health. To reach Sarah, Find her on Twitter at the Sarah Fader, F-A-D-E-R. Join your voice to her movement and become a stigma fighter who won't be satisfied with the stereotypes. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and for the love of all that's holy, leave a review. For Sick Biz Buzz, wherever podcasts are available. Check out the ever-evolving site, sickbiz.com, and read about people just like you who are aiming for the same goals you are. People who have figured out illness and disability hacks so they can run their business for the long haul. Finally, text SICKBIZ to 36260 to get our app on your phone, right in the palm of your hot little hand. Listen to this very podcast, catch up with the blogs posted, and A ton of actionable steps are available to you so you can level up your life today. I want to ask you too, have you signed up for Sick Business Job Board? We post about it in the group. Yes, we have a Facebook group. The goal of this board is to provide you with opportunities that have been vetted to assure that you will make a living wage. We want you to know it is possible to support yourself and your family despite health challenges. And we are here and we are honored to be here and help you along the way. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah Fader, for being my co-host. Until next time, be well. <laughs>